Welcome to the Money and Meaning Podcast. It's the podcast for CEOs who want a life full of money and meaning. I'm your host, Kenna Corder, National Certified Counselor and the world's number one clinical hypnotherapist specializing in turning stress and anger into a life of meaning. I created a virtual experience that allows me to have private conversations with CEOs that are stressed because they're singularly focused on money. And what I've found in my clinical practice is that if the CEO is stressed, the whole company is stressed. Am I right? But it doesn't have to be that way. And the CEO is stressed because society makes us believe the American dream is one thing. When it's just not true, it means different things to different people. And the truth is, the American dream is dead now anyway. Because all it ever did was force us to chase money and compete with others, which left us stressed and unhappy. Nobody dreams of being stressed and unhappy. That's why I set out on a mission to guide my tribe on a transformational journey to make America meaningful again. So if finding meaning in life is a high priority for you right now, let's get into today's show. I'm your host, Kenne Porter, National Certified Counselor and the world's number one clinical hypnotherapist specializing in financial therapy and stress management. Today, I want to talk to you about a few things, but I really want to talk to you about your mindset around maintaining, growing, and scaling your business. And I have a guest that is going to help me have this conversation because she is working towards mastering this mindset on a daily basis. I want to introduce you to Shelly Neff. She has been a leader in the U.S. salon industry since founding Urban Betty in 2005. Urban Betty Salon is an award-winning hair salon in Austin, Texas that specializes in hair cutting and coloring services, as well as facial waxing and makeup services. The salon is a staple in Austin, and Neff has successfully grown Urban Betty year after year and has evolved into a salon company that houses more than 50 employees and two locations. And it's grown into a $4 million grossing business today. In 2018 and 2019, Urban Betty was named as one of the fastest growing privately held companies by Inc. 5000. By the end of this conversation, you'll say, wow, she was super positive and knowledgeable. And I'm not talking about what you're going to say about me. You say that every week. What I'm talking about is what you're going to say about Shelly. She is awesome. So please join me in welcoming our guest today, Shelly Neff. Hey, Shelly. Hi, Kene. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for taking the time out and coming to hang out with me and being willing to share your story so we can learn from some of your experiences and figure out how to like keep our stress down as we scale these businesses. Yes, of course. That is a very, very important thing, especially with all the things that are going on right now. And I'm happy to do it. I'm shelter in place. And so I'm at home and my puppies love it. And I'm ready to just give you the dish on all the things that I know. Good. Thank you. That's exactly what we need. So let's start with our first question, which is, what is your idea of prosperity? So my idea of prosperity is knowing your own self-worth. For a lot of the time in my life, I struggled knowing my self-worth. And I 
kind of figured out it coincided with where the depth of my financial problems, where they lie. And once I started getting help with that and realizing you were only going to have as much as you emotionally think you're worth, that flipped the script in my head. So I had always had this idea of competition and that I couldn't get here because of this problem in life or that problem in life. And it was this epiphany of the only person in your way is you. And prosperity is knowing your emotional worth and knowing we are all, all of us, we deserve the world and beyond. There's no reason any of us shouldn't have everything that we want. Mm, totally. I, ooh, I'm with you on that. And <laughs> let me say that we talk a lot about competition in our program. So we are going to talk about that real quick right after this. But I want to know, what was that journey like to emotional worth, emotional self-worth to kind of add to your net worth? Because that's what I heard you say, like your idea of prosperity was this self-worth was affecting your net worth. I mean, you've grown a business of more than 10 years. Yeah. So somewhere in there, you figured it out or you're figuring it out. So what is that journey like? Tell me about that. So gosh, about 13 years ago, I met a woman who is now my life coach And I met her in the, I think, third year of my business being open. I was married to a person who didn't work. I was enabling them. There were just all these signs around me that I wasn't happy and I was having health problems. And I went to see her just to help me cure this health problem. But the health problem was because of the emotional problems. And when I got to the core of these emotional problems and started facing my fears and setting boundaries, And moving forward in life and getting toxic people out of my life, it was just little bitty things that over time, I became more worthy. I just knew my own worthiness. I looked around and was, I deserve a healthy relationship. I deserve to have a family that respects me. And it's so funny that I didn't even necessarily concentrate on fixing the financial stuff that just came with it. Because in that process of removing toxic people in learning to set boundaries, I started finding ways to manage my money better and talk about money and not be as worried about it, just kind of letting it go. And so I very much believe it's a spiritual journey. And a lot of people don't talk about that. They don't talk about that side of it. And when you get in alignment with your heart and your soul and what's going on with that, the money will follow. If you'll just line up with where you're supposed to be in life, the money's going to follow. You don't even have to focus on that. And I'm a big proponent of that. And so it didn't happen overnight. I will tell you the whole epiphany of we are all going to have exactly what we think we are emotionally worth. That came to me three or four years ago. And it took a lot of steps and movement forward and just little things. And even just watching certain shows where I'm like, well, this person, I think I'm just as smart as they are. And they have a private jet. Now I don't have a private jet yet. But just thinking little things like that, if they can do it, I can. Just looking for as what we call expanders around us, looking at people that have things where you want to be and finding out how did they get there and what are the small steps I can take. And that's part of my journey. Nice. And I said we were going to come back to the competition, but right before we do that, I do have a question. (laughs) 
so you talked about, I love this because I'm always talking about how the emotional problems create the physical problems. Now, by the time people usually come to me as a therapist, Mm -hmm. it's because so many other people have already told them they can't help them, which I love this part. I love my position in life. I love that I get the hard cases because I already know how to work them out because it's emotional. And so when did the realization that the emotions were what was driving your physical (laughs) (laughs) problem. Six months after opening my salon company, I started having horrible dizzy spells and feeling like I was on a boat and Mm. doctor after doctors, like, we don't know what's going on. There's nothing wrong with you. And I thought, I need to go to therapy. It was just one of those things. And Mm -hmm. the universe always sends you exactly what you need. And a person sat in my chair and she shared with me what she did for a living. And I said, I think I might go see you one time. Just let me go one time. And then I went one time and it was just like the floodgates opened of all these things in my life that I was unhappy about. And she's like, I think you should see me once a week. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I think so too. And here we are 13 years later, I see her every other week now, but that was the moment it hit me that these health issues that I'm having are much deeper. They're emotional. They're rooted from that. My body is giving me a sign, like an Mm -hmm. SOS of like, Mm -hmm. girl, you need to get out of this relationship. You need to ask for help from other people. At that point, I was doing everything in my salon. It was literally like me one other person and I had brought on an assistant, but I was running myself ragged working six days a week. And my body, even I was 27. And even at 27, Mm. my body was like, no, ma'am. So Mm -hmm. I have to learn to listen to my body and look for the deeper meaning in it. Even just, I have headaches a lot and it's not just accepting, well, that's just me. My head hurts. It's let me get to the emotion of why the head hurts. And A lot of it's frustration and anger. And I am still, I'll tell you, none of us get it right. None of us are perfect. I still have headaches. And so I have to reflect in that moment. The dizziness is gone now. And it took years for me to get rid of that. It didn't happen overnight either. It took years of me really pushing through certain things in my life. And now I have headaches. And so I'm trying to get to the root of let's look at the emotion behind that and what we need to do to fix that. But in the midst of all this, in the midst of all of that going through that, my business has still continued to thrive and still do well. Like I still kept pushing forward, even when there were days when I didn't feel like I could even get out of bed. And I just is having faith. And that is your calling. And a lot of people won't necessarily see uh, being a hairstylist and opening salons as a calling, but it is. It's such a prestigious position in life. The value you add to those women's lives. And I only know this because as I mentioned in our little pre-talk, this is where I started as a business owner. I started in the salon business. My sister is a hairstylist and I was her assistant for many <laughs> years as I was going through college, getting my degree. Yeah. I was I was started as her assistant in high school and then in college, ate my mm-hmm. way, made it through college. While everybody was broke in college, I had money because I worked yeah. in the salon. <laughs> yeah. So you know that and that mm-hmm. job is it is a lot. It's like not only are we on our feet all day. We are talking to people all day. So we have to be on, we have to be the host, we have to be the therapist, we have to be active. I mean, it's a lot to deal with. And then the pressure of, especially when I'm a person who's a people pleaser. So of course, Mm. what profession did I pick? 
the one that I'm going to please people. And then I'm going to get this validation all day. And it was a very interesting thing. Three years ago, I retired from doing hair, which was amazing because I'd been doing hair for 21 years. I got my license while in high school. And when I opened my salon, I found this passion for marketing and doing business instead of doing hair. And I wanted to follow Mm. that route. And I love it. And that's like something I didn't know resided in me until I got the hair was my passion first. And then I found my second passion in the hair and I've gone with that. And I'm so happy now. I love just doing the business side of my business, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I know, so you get it. I know you've been Mm -hmm. there and a lot of people will do hair until they're retired or they're elderly. I don't know how, because I have an arthritic knee now and I'm only 43. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My sister shifted to styling. She does personal styling. So it does yeah. have some hair related to it, but she's also doing wardrobe and makeup. And oh, she wow. doesn't do all of it because sometimes she'll hire people and she gets the contracts and then they do the work. So oh, it, it's good. a lot of one-on-one yeah. still. But we love one-on-one. I love one-on-one too, because as a therapist, I mean, I started as a therapist because after I was an assistant, I went to college mm-hmm. and I graduated from college, worked a job Monday through Friday on the, on the weekends. I would still go hang out in the salon and the barbershops because that's where my friends were. Yeah. And I would see them making money while I couldn't even get paid until two weeks or whatever. They were making money every <laughs> single day. And I was, what did I do with my life? Like I used to live oh, this life. Totally. And yeah, everyone around. Like, me same thing they were going to college got their masters and I was making more money than them and they're like what the heck and I'm hey but it didn't come easy I had to work my butt off to get here exactly yeah so I totally understand so I after graduating I left my job and I went back to school I went to barber school instead of going to cosmetology Mm -hmm. school became a barber and was like one of the most well-known barbers in Chicago because of my style and what made me It's because when people sat in my chair, regardless of their haircut, they felt better when they got up. And that's when I knew I was supposed to be a therapist because I enjoyed that part of it more. So you talk about these callings. I was really good at hair, just like you were really good at hair. But you have this other calling, this other purpose that it's time for you to shift to. And that's what people don't understand. They get so attached to that those titles and they forget that they've got to grow right so you talked about maintaining that business and running it and you know it was doing well but it was weighing on you and you had some other calling and so you made that shift which a lot of people don't make so kudos to you for saying okay what's next (laughs) okay did that now what's next because everybody doesn't do that right and you get to a certain level And what it is, is you have so many employees, you can't afford anymore to work in the business. Mm. You have to work on the business. I've listened to something a few months ago and they talked about that. And they were like, if you have to be behind the chair to make your income, you own a chair, you don't own a salon. And then that was like, ouch, wow. (laughs) If I was still behind the chair, I would really be mad at you right now, but I'm not (laughs) behind the chair anymore. So I'm going to look at that. Okay. As a positive, but there were like the first 10 to 12 years of owning my business. I only made my income through the hair that I did. The salon was barely breaking even on its own. And uh, I got a business consultant and switched my systems around and Thank God I did that. It did save my business. And that's why I'm not able to be behind the chair anymore. But just little small steps like that. And it gave me that 
permission to do what I really wanted to do, which was not do hair anymore. And it took, again, it took me a long time because I had little baby steps because I kept saying I had this self-worth thing about if I'm not on the floor doing hair with my employees, I'm not going to be one of them. Like they're not going to look at me as one of them. And Mm -hmm. I had to get over myself and be like, there are so many businesses out there, Shelly, where the person that is the owner isn't working the same as the rest of the employees. And no one is even blinking an eye at that. And so you've Mm -hmm. got to get out of that. It took a lot of work for me to be, okay, you're fine. Your employees still love you and still respect you if you're not doing hair. And that was walking through some self-worth stuff again. You know that (laughs) that the minute I quit doing hair, my business only thrived and did better. And I made more money. And now people are like, what? And I'm like, again, the minute I got where I wanted to and made myself happy and just jumped and just said, let's, let's make it work. I can always go back to doing hair. And you know what? I haven't had to. So I can tell you 100% if you are doing what makes you happy, but also being mindful of your finances, it can happen for you. <laughs> yes, totally. And there's a line in the Alanis Morissette song, and she's like, the moment I jumped off of it mm-hmm. was the moment I touched down. And it, it's yes. kind of like that. You just have to take that leap, and then it'll ground you. The universe will take over for you. Because you were willing to take that leap, it took you to that next level. Yes. So a couple of things, because you talked about, and I was going to bring this up, you talked about self-worth again and how Mm -hmm. you wanting to be one of them. And the CEO, if we're honest, is not one of them. Right. Right. (laughs) And my husband had a conversation with me. He's like, leaders aren't worker bees. There's nothing wrong with people who are working. I've been that person. But if you want to step into a position of being a leader, You've got to leave that behind. It's where we are. So you can't make all worker bees want to be leaders and you can't force leaders to be worker bees. That's just inherently who we are and kind of where we end up in life. And on a human level, I believe we're all fundamentally the same. No one is higher or lower than anyone else. But within a company, I had to kind of step up to a different position and know that it was okay. Yep, exactly. And that separation, a lot of times I worked in a a barbershop and the owner used to say, familiarity breeds contempt. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's a saying that he made up or he got from somewhere, but he used to say it a lot and he never got his hair cut by anybody else in the barbershop except for me. And that was the reason why he told me, nope, I don't want to become familiar with too many of my employees because they will then become too cool and then they'll be contempt. (laughs) And you know, it's easy to become contemptuous. You don't mean to, it's just human nature to be like, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoever. That's just Jimmy. Cause that was his name. You know, they'll say, oh, that's just Shelly. No, they need to have a certain amount of respect and that title and that separation creates that respect and you already have the love for them. So you're going to pass down the culture in the company, but yes. that respect has to be there. Yeah. I was so afraid of losing a connection with them that there are still ways you can maintain connections with your employees without being friends with them. I go on coffee dates with my employees and it doesn't have to be about business or yeah. I say, or we can go to lunch and I have a calendar the Calendly app. I can't ever mm-hmm. say that right. I know. And I've just created that and I send it to people or I put it actually on, we have a Facebook group page for all of our employees. And I said, here it is. If you ever want to go to lunch with me, or if you ever want a coffee date, I'm here for you, schedule it. 
and they schedule it. I put the ball in their court and it's great because so many of them just want to go and they're like, I want to just pick your brain about the business or I want to know this or I want to know that. And I'm very transparent with my company and I'm not ashamed or scared to share numbers with my staff. Mm. Most recently with everything happening with our, because we're all the COVID, we temporarily closed our salon yesterday. And so last week I shared with them all our profit and loss for 2019 and what all the expenses were and what the fixed costs were and what variable costs were. And most places would die before sharing that with their employees. But I just wanted them to A, be aware of how much it costs to run my business and B, we're going to be okay if we have to close. Mm. And I want you to be able to see those numbers because I needed to see them. They helped my heart. And I thought, why wouldn't my employees want to see this? So going back to like being able to connect with people and that's part of it too, is just being completely transparent, not being scared. And my husband was like, what are you doing? Why are you? Oh my gosh, you're (laughs) oversharing. And I'm like, you always think I'm oversharing because you're a man (laughs) and women, we tend to share more. And he's very much the businessman and just Mm -hmm. keep it to the, this, and that. And I'm like, no, I'm going to share with people everything. And if they have a problem with it, that says more about them than it does about me. And that's just one of the ways that I try to stay connected with my employees. And hey, if you have anything you want to ask me, ask away. I'm here. I'm here to tell you. And it's not always the most perfect answer. And I may not have the answer that happens sometimes and that's okay, but Mm -hmm. you know, I'll do my best. Yeah. And I can be similar to your husband in the sense of like being very pragmatic and like logic, you know, and this is the business, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But as a financial therapist, I think that vulnerability and that transparency really connects you guys, which is the culture that you're creating in your company is the vulnerability, is the transparency and the connection. And so if you do it, because culture trickles down. If you do it, then they can mirror you and do it back and things won't happen behind your back. You'll get a lot more honesty from them. Right. And it's just, Hey guys, I promise it's not all going into my bank account. I am (laughs) trying to figure out a way to make that happen. But until now, all the little costs that are there that go to run a business, but it was very much this whole thing has been a blessing for me because I've never really sat down and looked at what does it cost to run your business if you close? Like, what are all your fixed costs? And I was yeah. like, oh, okay. And in a way, I had no idea what that number was. And I'm sure my business consultant would be like, I have told you that. We have gone over that. But I'm like, I don't know. I probably blocked it out. <laughs> right. Uh, but, <laughs> but it was really good for me to know that and mm-hmm. to see where, okay, what do I need to tighten up? What do I need to do for the future? And they had always said, have two payrolls in savings, or not in savings, just two payroll in your account at all times. Mm -hmm. And it's not so you can pay two payrolls. It's so you can pay your bills if you have to close or if some sort of thing happens where you can't be open. And none of us foresaw any of this. And I am okay because of that, because I was given that advice and it didn't hit home for me until then. And I'm just much more focused on everything and where it needs to be. But there is a part of me that knows everything's going to be okay and it's going to continue to grow if I'm emotionally okay and I know my worthiness. However, I like to be aware of things and that's all part of the process. 
Yeah, that is. And to your credit, let me say this, to your credit, the number is changing, right? As you have turnover. So as people leave Mm -hmm. or go, those numbers change, the costs change. You'll know it when you need to know know it. So this is the time when you really need to know it. So you got on top of it. And that's somebody else. You delegated a, a portion of that to somebody else. They're doing their job for the most part. And then when you need to kick in and do it, you're doing it. You're doing exactly what you need to do when you're in the right place at the right time because you have your lane and it's important that you carry out your lane. Those girls, those ladies need you and you might have guys there too, but they need you. And so being accessible to them and being vulnerable, all of that is so, so much needed. And the numbers is like 10, 20% of running that business. So I want to recap because I usually do this for my listeners. A lot of the maintaining the business was about creating this foundation, but also learning more about yourself personally as you grow the business. And then the growing part of it came in creating a certain amount of separation between you and your employees, but then keeping a certain amount of connection as well so that they know that you're there for them and that they I'm going to add this part you didn't say this but there's some loyalty (laughs) there that loyalty is there yeah the Beatles said money can't buy me love but guess what we are all using money to get love it's true I'll tell you why I know I've learned in my almost 20 years of working in the financial and mental health industries that money and love go together, whether we want it to or not. All of our actions are based on doing what we think will get us the maximum amount of love. Now, later in life, we begin to use money to get that love. From the time we are children, we set in motion a plan to get our parents' love, then our friends' love, next, our partner's love, and so on and so on and so on. So you see, around age 14, we make a final decision on how we will handle money. And it just so happens that at that same time, we are making a decision on how we'll handle love. You might decide to be a saver. You might decide to be a spender. You may even decide to be a hero or an enthusiast. Wondering what those two are? Take the money mentality quiz. It will reveal how you use money to get love. You don't have to believe me. See it for yourself. Take the money mentality quiz. Go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash quiz and see for yourself. It's free and it only takes like two minutes. The great thing is you'll walk away not only knowing your money mentality or money personality, but You'll also know your money strengths and challenges so you can do something about them. So go ahead, take the quiz, but don't stop there. At the end, remember, give me your email address, your best email address, so I can give you some guidance to get enough love and money in your life to make it full of meaning. Go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash quiz. The link is in the show notes. Now let's get back to today's show. But I know that one of the hardest things is turnover, which we're going to talk about. But I want to shift a little bit and go back to something we said we were going to bring back up. And that was the competition. You say you don't believe in 
competition or something like I might have paraphrased your words. How do you see competition and what is your theory or view on it? I'm a huge fan of Abraham Hicks. If you listen to a lot of the stuff that she says, it's all about do we all only have as much as we emotionally think they're worth and you can't control the conditions of another human. We can prove this by I can't control your thoughts right now. I can't control anyone who's listening to this, how they're going to react to it. So I can't control your conditions. And so therefore I can't control how you choose to look at your worth and how much money you're going to have. At the end of the day, you're going to have as much as you think you're financially worth. And I can't change that no matter what I do. If we opened up a store next to each other, I guarantee you we'd both still just be as successful as if we were miles apart and it's based on our mindset. Now, if you open your store next to me and you say, she's going to put me out of business, you know what? I probably will because that's what your values are telling you and that's Mm -hmm. what your belief system is telling you. Yes. But if I open my business next to you and I'm like, we are doing two totally different things and at the end of the day, I'm going to have the customers that I'm going to have because let's be honest, there are no walk-ins anymore. Everything's booked online. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Everyone that books with you is based on your branding, your social presence, Mm -hmm. all of that. That's how successful I'm going to be. And so that's why the way I look at competition is I can't control how you think about money, how you feel about money, how you manage your money. There's no competition there. That may trigger some people and that sounds kind of off to some people, but It is what it is. And do I feel competitive with other businesses? Of course, I'm human. I look at that. So-and-so won this award. I would love to win that award. But I I look at it as it's healthy competition and they are an expander for me. I love Lacey Phillips too. She's kind of in the whole law of attraction and knowing your worth. And she talks about expanders, just people around you that are doing really well and look for them and know that we're really not in competition But do I like what you're doing and do I want to have some of the same things you have or win some of the awards that you have? Heck yeah. I just think of it as that. Is there an expander for me? They're not competition. And it takes a ton of the pressure off of us to be like, ah, I'm not doing enough. I go see people speak and I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't written a book. I'm not a speaker. And it's like, why? Just take a breath. That's not you right now. Okay. We're just being human here. Just take a moment. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. If you really look at things in the realm of the spiritual world, the energetic world, whatever you want to call it, that doesn't trigger you. There's no (laughs) such thing as competition. That's my fundamental core belief. Yeah, I get that. And I get the expanders as well, because a lot of times, like you said, we look at other people and we're comparing and competing. And I separate those two like this, like comparing is, okay, they're better than me. Oh man, why am I not like them? And then competing <laughs> is like, I got to be better than them. What can I do? What can I do to get, maybe I'll right. get a bigger car, right. a faster car, a bigger house, you know, yeah. stop it, stop it, stop it. Cause it's like you said, you could look at them and just see, wow, they did that. All right, cool. I'm headed in that direction myself, or it creates mm-hmm. a vision for your direction, whatever that may be. And yes. I have a manifestation statement. And whenever somebody does something that I think is like totally freaking awesome, I'm like, oh man, I think I'm going to add that to my manifestation statement because it's all about being a New York Times bestselling author and a yes. highly sought after speaker and blah, blah, blah. And so basically it's how I want to be introduced. When people say coming to the stage is, and then they introduce me, I want all those things, those expanders in there. So I say this to myself 
before it's happening. And I have to put it in my head and put it in my mm-hmm. head all the time over and over and over again. And by doing that, I f- first became an Amazon bestseller. So New York Times is right around the corner. <laughs> it's next. It's got to write the next Amen. book, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I totally get what you're saying. We teach this in our program and the people who are listening to the show understand this. Most of these people are tuning in so they can get more. It's not like, oh, let me hear this for the first time. We're not planting right. seeds usually. Right. We're either watering the seeds or helping them harvest those seeds. Love it. That's where our listeners are. So they do get what you're saying and not many people are as woo-woo as you and I. I are. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I have to sometimes be like, okay, who am I speaking to right now? And I'm, oh, I just got that weird look. All right. You know, <laughs> so when you're doing a podcast and you can't see people's faces, you're like, whatever, I can't control your condition. So. Right. It's going to be real here. <laughs> yeah. And they know me. They know I'm a pretty woo-woo. So I'm sure they can awesome. handle you too. Yes. To yes. Us. <laughs> that is why we are connected right now. That makes mm-hmm. total sense. Yeah. Yes. So I'm wondering... One of the things I said I was going to come back to was the turnover that Mm -hmm. we talked about earlier. And I know Mm -hmm. that for us, that's a big, and not just for us, but for many of the CEOs I work with, turnover is a big thing for two reasons, but we'll talk about those later. Talk to me about turnover in your business. Now, I know you have two types of employees. You have the practitioner. I don't know why I can't think of the name right now. Like the practitioner, the person doing the the stylist. The stylist. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In a way, they're a practitioner, yes. Yeah, you have the stylist and then you have like the front desk people and Uh those kinds of things. So what is turnover like in your world? Turnover for a front desk is pretty high because a lot of the front desk people that we hire are in beauty school, coming out of beauty school. That's their gateway to getting into our apprenticeship program and then becoming a stylist. And then that way we can kind of see how are they with the customers, X, Y, and Z, as well as the average stylist stays at a salon company. I think it's five to six years. And that's just tough for our industry because they kind of hit a glass ceiling in some places. I don't know if I'm even saying that right, but they hit the ceiling and they feel like I need to go out on my own, whether that be open a salon or go to like booth suite rental, because my salon is employee-based, commission-only. And we actually pay more. I know my stylists make more than people doing booth rental and they have health insurance. They can file for unemployment right now, all of those things that are perks, but we still have a normal turnover rate. I can't tell you a percentage right now, but it's just something on average when I've looked at what, how much we've gained. So when I opened 2005, it was just myself. And then I did have a contractor based model. I had one person that was paying me rent to work there. And now we have almost 60 employees. We, on average, gain anywhere between five to seven employees a year. And that's just the average. And we may lose a few too. That's just where we're at. I would like to say as we get bigger, we're gaining more. It's just part of the industry. And it's something that we've learned to expect and and know. And I've learned to send people with light and love. And when they want to leave, do it peacefully and not act like a sad little person that's getting broken up with. Believe me, I've done that. It doesn't work out well because I've been that person. I worked at salons and I left to go to another salon or I left to go do booth rental. So I'm empathetic. I know I've been there. I I look at it from that perspective and I try not to take it personally at the end of the day. It still hurts me, but I 
approach it as an adult. Even if a stylist leaves and they've been fired for something crazy, we still will tell all, which doesn't happen a lot, but it has happened. I mean, hello. So (laughs) we still will tell them where all of their clients, we tell all of their clients where they've gone. If I'm going to sit here and tell you I don't believe in competition, then it would be contradictory for me to then try to hold on to clients Mm -hmm. when my stylists are leaving. So if I believe the money's still going to come and the money's still going to stay, no matter who works for me, I can tell all of the guests that are calling where their stylist went. And if they want to stay with us, great. If they don't, they don't, but somebody else is going to come and fill that stylist space and other guests will come in their place. It's one of those things. And I know When I left places, how I wanted to be treated, and I am very empathetic to that as well. And so we are very transparent about here, here's where they left. And stylists can have the guest information, all of that. We don't make them sign non-competes because again, I would be a liar if I was sitting here saying I make them sign a non-compete because we don't do that either. The only thing we ask is don't try to take people with you that work here too. Like don't try to get your little gang together and I'll leave. Like just go on your own accord and go thrive. And we've had people leave. And because we handled it so well when they left and I remained friends with them, actually, some of them have come back and I'm like, oh my gosh, thank God. I didn't act like a sad little spoiled sport when they left because they wouldn't have wanted to come back. And that's not why I do it because small percentage of people that do come back to you, it's just the mature thing to do. And it took me time to learn that. You can't talk someone into loving you. (laughs) That's what my life coach tells me. And so I was like, You can't talk someone into staying at the job. You can't be like, you're making this much here. You won't even make that there. They're going to be like, ew, lady, I don't (laughs) even care. Get away from me. So I'm just like, you go, girl. Be happy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Totally. All of that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So I want to shift back to something that you talked about earlier because the universe is telling me to go here. And it has to do with, And I kind of mentioned it too. So you remember how I was saying like you add value to people's lives and those women leave with a whole new feeling of love Mm -hmm. when they leave Mm -hmm. you, when they get out of your chair. Mm -hmm. Well, that does not necessarily mean you feel a prestige about your job. And I remember I've worked with CEOs, like I work with dentists who didn't feel prestigious about their job because when they tell people they're a doctor and they say, oh, what kind of doctor are you? They say, I'm a dentist. Oh, you're just a dentist. And so they didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of prestige about their job and right. so I work with them right. on their confidence and self-esteem and self-worth and stuff. And I know as a stylist, when I left college and became a barber, went back to barber school, people were like, huh? You have a degree. What are you doing with your life? I'm like, yeah. I'm going to tell you what I'm doing with my life. I am adding value to other people's lives. Like I would have to school them on how big a deal it was to be a barber because that job. And then when I take it back to history, the barbershop was the place. It was, you didn't, we didn't have the news mm-hmm. in the beginning of time. And people right. came to the barbershop to get their news. But let me tell you, the barber was also a surgeon back then. Maybe now we haven't put enough prestige on our hairstylists and our barbers, but that is a prestigious job. But I know because of what you said earlier about being a people pleaser and letting what people say or think about you back then, Mm -hmm. not now, was a big for you. So how did you find prestige in your job? 
that's a great question. And that is something that used to be very triggering for me or even now because people, I feel like they look down upon our industry and Mm -hmm. we're very much working to elevate our industry. These are professionals that take their careers very seriously. We're not sitting behind a chair having fun playing with hair. This is a serious career and people make a lot of money doing it. People in my salon company, they make six figures. We have the average income is $60,000 in our salon. And we've got people that on our career path can make up to $200,000 and they have total group health benefits and they can eventually become a shareholder in the company. That's what I'm working on right now. This industry is so important to me. And the thing that's interesting is when I was doing hair, people, I mean, I'm not anymore. Uh, I (laughs) used to be addicted to their validation because when you are doing hair all day, Mm -hmm. all you hear is like, I can't live without you. Oh my God. (laughs) I need to take you home with me. No one else could ever do this. You are a miracle worker, X, Y, Z. So when I retired from doing hair, there was this abrupt halt of, I wasn't getting that every day. You know what I was getting every day? Complaints, complaints from my employees. Why is that not broken? This is fixed. Why am I not doing X, Y, Z? She said this about me. And it was like, oh my God, I'm terrible. No one loves me. And why am I so sad all the time? I thought I wanted to do this. And then I was listening to a speaker one day and he talked about how we get this validation from doing hair all the time. And it clicked for me like, oh my God, that's why I'm so like, no one's telling me I'm doing a good job here. Mm -hmm. No one's coming to me and saying, oh my God, wow, you're really owning this salon well. You are really, (laughs) wow. And I was looking for this validation and trying to find it through other people and having to really get centered on the only person. I mean, it's God and you. That's, you've got to be okay with giving you validation. And that's a tough one. And I still, still struggle with that. And when we have our holiday party every year and we go all out and we're doing all these things, then I'm like, this is the year the whole team's going to come together and get me a gift. And I'll get emotional here (laughs) and it doesn't happen. And I had to think when it's going to happen, Shelly, when you let go of expecting it to happen Mm. and I'm not there yet, it would be nice. A couple people brought me little things and my husband was, I don't know why you get so, I was like, it's hard for 21 years of my life. I got all this validation and I seemed so important in people's eyes and now I've really got to get okay with myself and know I'm doing a good job in my own heart. If I like close my eyes and really ask myself, do you think you're doing the right thing and you're doing a good job? And I always hear the word yes. Mm. And I've got to remember that. Yes, absolutely. And just listen to the intro of this podcast. You don't have to listen to the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Just listen to it in your bio. Is at the beginning. We're not our resume. But if you listen to this podcast episode, you will see a side of yourself that you don't probably see when you're working. Yeah. That inspired, spiritual, open, vulnerable, loving woman that your employees love, whether they say it or not, because I only talked to you pre-interview and I already knew I was looking forward to our, our conversation. I don't say that to everybody because I don't, I have something in common with everybody in the world. I don't know how it is. I call it a gift of mine because I can always find it. But I knew that you and I would have even more in common than most people in the world. And that's not because we both are stylists. That's because we have a heart to serve because we're spiritual 
And because mm-hmm. we both believe that everything's going to work out. And you know yeah. why? Because the universe got us. And two, yes. because we're not going to stop. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you know what? And if I stop and look at everything in my life, as sometimes have been, and I could tell people like horror stories about my childhood, but everything's mm-hmm. always worked out. It's always mm-hmm. worked out and it's always yep. been fine. And then when I look back on those hardships, I learned so much from them and I am the person I am today because of them. So I have to be thankful for those things that in the moment weren't great. And it's always hindsight. So even if I'm going through a tough time right now with being closed at the salon, this is all going to make sense in the future. I don't know when in the future, but it's going to hit me and I'm going to be like, yeah. I mean, and I can already see some of the things that I'm thankful for that I'm learning during this process. And just being mindful of that and anyone who's listening, who's really in a tough spot right now is that is when we have the most growth. When you're going through mm-hmm. something dark, man, stuff's about to open wide up for you. I met my husband, the love of my life right now, right before three of the worst people who ghosted on me where I was, I am done with dating. I, ugh, I don't even <laughs> want to think about it. And he walked into my life. That's why I was I get it. When you quit expecting things and I quit putting up with people treating me like a doormat, then mm-hmm. the right person came along. <laughs> and then I had yeah. to fight. He was being too good. I was like, quit trying to take care of me. And I was like, I don't know what this is. And he's like, woman, you have to let me help you. Okay. And I was like, oh my gosh, Shelly, this is all you've been asking for. And then it came into your life. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's the way yes. it goes. Yes. yes. My professor in my master's program, she used to call it shopping at the broken people store. Oh my <laughs> She's, God. You no yes. longer have to shop at the broken people store. Amen. You actually to get out of the broken people store yourself. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you. I was dating there. Oof. <laughs> Gosh. But yeah. I was one of those broken people. So it makes sense. Exactly. Why I was like, That's the minute I was, says. nope, not anymore. Oh, now you know what? You're going to attract the right person because you know your self-worth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I do this workshop and one of the, even in my one-on-one, one of the things I do when it comes to this whole broken people thing, because I work a lot of times with men and sometimes they're going through a divorce. A lot of times they're going through a midlife crisis. And like you, they may have that past story that is, oh, this person and that person. And a lot of times they didn't do or felt like that people had done them wrong. And right. so we do this exercise where they return those people to the store for them to get repaired, or pick, you know, and they yeah. take them all back and they're like, here, I need to return this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they get them back. But they also, at the end of that, return themselves. And then they need to go through Santa's little workshop and get the little band-aids and whatever they need yeah. to patch themselves up yeah. and come out on the other side, clean and clear and just a new person. Yes. And because I'm a hypnotherapist, it's a lot of visualization in what I do. And so we visualize that walkthrough and man, people are always so moved by that visualization and they do it on their own because it's field work. We don't do it in session. I actually say, here's your field work, go do this. And then they come back the next session and they talk about it. And just the amount of release Mm -hmm. that lets go when you see yourself new and you're just like, you know what, that was who I was and this is who I am. Yeah. It's so much beautiful. It's a very rewarding thing for me to watch, but it also is very rewarding for them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so powerful. So I wanted to talk about, but as we end, I have two more questions okay. for you. 
And I'm always torn, like, because time, we only have so much time. And I'm like, which question is the best question? And then, yeah, and then my listeners, because they can connect with me. And some people, some of my actual friends listen to the podcast, which is really cool, because friends don't always support you. So they're like, oh. Why didn't you ask this question? I was like, I know I was going right, to. Right, right. <laughs> we ran out of time. So I'm kind of trying to narrow down where I want to go before we wrap up. And I think where I want to go is you talked about scaling and growing is one thing, but scaling is another thing. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a big question, but what would you say is, the shift or the maybe and probably the mindset shift that you're making as you begin to scale your business rather than just grow it. One of the main things is I had to learn that I don't have to do this all on my own. So I started bringing on shareholders. I brought on two so far and I'm working on bringing on more because it is my eventual goal. It's crazy because I'm wanting to scale the company on one hand. And on the other hand, I'm also planning an exit strategy. And so that's kind of a crazy thing to come in and tell people or tell attorneys or like, I need an exit plan for the future because every good business owner should have that. But Mm -hmm. I also want to scale this. I want to grow this and learning like, hey, what are some ways we can scale this? And we can scale this by owning the real estate. I own the real estate in my second location, owning real estate in the future. And so if I sell this off to shareholders, I still own the building that they're in. Little things like that. And scaling to me isn't even about adding more people at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. It's just making your brand more present. And also I'm in the very beginning stages of creating a product line. And that's also where I'm finding a really amazing. And I don't know, I'm just feeling really, I felt really inspired to do this and I wanted to do it. And I knew that's where my brand was heading. I fought it for a long time because I was, I don't want to deal with this right now. I just, everything I fight, I always am like, I don't want any more locations. And then I opened a second location. And then I heard one day I was listening to a news report about a salon and I, I was like, I've been to that salon, you know, cause I love to go get blowouts if I'm in a town just to be a secret shopper and, and see what they're doing mm. and get inspired. And I was like, they have 10 locations. Well, I can have 10 locations. So it was just one of those, like in half a second, my whole mindset changed. It's like, if they're doing it, why can't I do it? And so just little things like that, just expanding my brand and knowing it'll happen. So third location, I'd love to buy the space we're in again, but we are really not in the perfect spot to do it yet. Just because we Mm -hmm. just opened our other second location a year ago, but voice came in and said, why wouldn't you ask people to help you buy that location? Why wouldn't you ask for investors? And I was like, yep. what? Why did I never think of that? <laughs> well, I mean, it was there and it had been said to me, but sometimes I have to hear things like three to 10 times. And then I finally get it. And it was just that moment of, oh my gosh, I can ask for help. And that's just where it's come from. It's just knowing, looking again at expanders around me that have already done what I want to do and saying, mm-hmm. hey, if they can do it, I can do it. And if I get stuck, I know who I can ask for help from and learning to ask for help. Just all of those things. I don't know. So that's, I hope that answered your question. I kind of went off on where I'm at with it. (laughs) No, totally and completely. Like I was getting chills as you were answering because I was like, yes, I picked the right question. (laughs) (laughs) It was everything I wanted it to be because you said exactly what I was thinking and asking for help and not just being about more employees, you know, expanding the 
brand and your brand message and your presence, but then also the product line. Like you said, everything that I was hoping you'd say in real estate. (laughs) So, (laughs) so yes, it was such, such a great answer. And not only that, it was organic in the sense that it's a plan and because it's ever changing and like it's years to see it play out. And so you could talk like, yes, we're going to do this and that and this and that and that's how we're going to, but no, you didn't have to do that. You just let it roll. And, and Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for that because that's exactly what as a CEO, we need to be able to do with each other. We need to have these conversations more often. We need to be able to be vulnerable. I picked EO to work with because those CEOs are so open and vulnerable. Now I get that everybody is still sort of in competition. Like you said earlier, we're human. So we're Mm -hmm. kind of sort of in competition Mm -hmm. with each other. We're like, oh darn, she did better than me. He did better than me. (laughs) (laughs) She got on that podcast and I didn't. (laughs) Why'd she ask you, (laughs) Shelly? I don't know. I just filled out a form. They like me. (laughs) So, you know, although we have that slight competition going on inside of us, our little ego, we still are here for each other and can share this information, can learn from each other. And that's why I'm so glad you were here, because I know that there are people listening who are saying, They're good at some things, but some of the things that you're good at, they may not be. And so they're like, ah, that's a good point, you know, or or some lessons that you say you learn. They're taking away those lessons and saying, "Mm, yeah, I'm still in the middle of that lesson. So thanks for that nugget. Yeah. Because one of the things I've learned about you so far, so many times you have said, I was watching this. I was listening to that. I was reading this. I was up. That is so commendable because people who listen to this podcast obviously are people like that, but not mm-hmm. everybody is like that. People are not yeah. watching videos and reading stuff and going to seminars or wherever you're right. seeing these right. speakers. That to me says so much about right. you and being a member of EO. I mean, that was all really that. stepping outside of my comfort zone because getting up and speaking to get it chosen and then being vulnerable in front of other business owners because I really had to overcome my doubting and it's an ego thing doubting like that I was like oh everyone and they're smarter than me they all have masters and I just have a high school and education and cosmetology degree and I had to be like no no you deserve to be here just as much as the rest of these people do and you mm-hmm. have just as much to give back to them as they do and you should represent your industry and elevate your industry by being here all yes, right woman totally yeah yes. <laughs> So I'm in the wellness industry now, but the Mm -hmm. beauty industry is still in my heart. So we either have to do virtual coffee (laughs) or you got to come back or something because I definitely want to talk about the beauty industry because something you mentioned earlier about it not having that prestige and and the reputation is not that great. And so I have some theories on what that is and why that Mm -hmm. is. That's something I want to talk to you about. And then of course, Abraham Hicks, we've got to talk about that. (laughs) Love it. And go deeper there. Yes. But that's a whole other podcast and maybe a virtual coffee date. Yes. Or when I come to Austin. Yes. So the last thing I want to ask you before we ask our final question, and I know guys, we are going long here today. So thank you for hanging in there with me because I fall in love with a lot of my guests. But I am totally having a love affair over here. So you you guys have to put up with me. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so my last question is really important, I think, right now, because I know that doing my research, I found that Urban Betty is a green circle salon. Mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly what that means. Just by the name, we know kind of what that means. Tell me about that. So we recycle anything and everything that we can inside the salon. And we have all these huge boxes and we send back all of the hair that we cut to them and they use it to clean up oil spills and other things. We send back all of the, any hair dye that we do not use. We scrape into bags and all that back to them and they process that and make it, turn it into clean energy. We recycle every single thing in the salon. There's a ton of huge boxes in our break room. We're always walking around just like mail the hair back, mail this back, mail all the chemicals back. We mail the foils back, like everything. And it does cost a certain amount to be part of Green Circle, But how you do that is you put a little eco fee on every person's ticket and you tell them about it. And if they want to be part of it, they have the choice. We don't just say, hey, we're charging you this. And that's how you pay for the system to me. So for me, I was like, wait, I didn't know that's how it worked until one of my stylists, because I was like, I don't have the time to do all of this. And she said, let me do it. And she came forward. We have a leadership team. And they all have different jobs and they get paid an extra 1% commission to do them. And she said, I want to be in charge of Green Circle and our recycling program. And I said, thank you, universe, for doing that. Mm -hmm. And she handles it all. And we are very much a very clean salon. And we've been, I don't know, almost a year now since we've done it. And it's worked out great. And you know what? We've had maybe one person say they don't want to pay that eco fee. Yeah. <laughs> Out of thousands. Yeah. So, you know, girl, I, yeah. So, that's awesome. And that also is another way to make employees sticky because clearly that person became the green circle yes. leader because they are passionate yes. about that. So, when you give them something, some meaning, some purpose mm-hmm. in, their, in what they're doing, mm-hmm. then they have a reason to be there and it's not as easy for them to leave because right. they leave. their project as well because they can take the clients with them possibly yes they can't take projects as much right right right. (laughs) yeah (laughs) awesome well thank you so much Shelly for hanging out with me thank you I have one more question for you but before I go there I want to ask you if people want to hang out with you Mm -hmm. and come to your salon or find you on social media like Yep. I have some links I'm going to put in the show notes, but you can tell them here if you like. Yeah. So our website is urbanbetty.com. I am on Twitter. My handle is urbanbetty. Instagram is urbanbetty. And on Facebook, you can just look for us, facebook.com slash urbanbettysalon. Look at you. Your branding is just (laughs) nice. Thank you. (laughs) So the last question we ask every guest Mm -hmm. is, what is the best advice you've ever received? or the advice you wish somebody would have told you? The best advice I've ever received, and I actually have already said it on this call, was you can't control the conditions of another human and you never will. That has helped me. It takes the pressure off my shoulders because I want so much. I see so much potential in people and it's like I fall in love with their potential. And if they're not living up to it, it hurts my heart. But I'm like, Shelly, you can't control their conditions. And no matter what you do mm-hmm. and the more you try to help, sometimes the more it hurts. And so just getting on board with you can't control their conditions. Only they can. And I've been I say that probably every single day, several times to myself. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
And our avid listeners know that the basis or the theme of our program is control the controllables. That's our stress management program. So it's right in line with your best advice and absolutely the conditions are others. Yeah. <laughs> Not even. You maybe have, maybe you can influence them, maybe, but right. you definitely cannot control them. Nope. So, yeah, letting <laughs> go of that is a huge, huge relief, stress reliever. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Shelly, for hanging out with me. I look forward to us getting together soon, either here on the podcast or in our virtual coffee date. But that has been our show for today. So I want to thank you. And you have been awesome. Thank you. I had a great time. Good. Well, thank you guys for staying all the way to the end. I know we went a a little long and you are so awesome too. That's what I love about you. And so I want to thank you for being here this week and I will see you next week. Hey, before you go, I'm wondering, are you a CEO who is starting to feel like it's time to manage your stress rather than just tolerate it? Have you gotten to a point where you rather be appreciated for who you are rather than what you've done according to society's rules. Would you like to enjoy your success with less stress? If this sounds like you and you're interested in seeing if you're a good fit for working with me and my team over here at Presidential Lifestyle, then here's what I'd like you to do. I invite you to head on over to presidentiallifestyle.com and book a private conversation with me. It's not free. My time is valuable just as valuable as yours is. And for that reason, I'm going to pour into you for about 45 to 60 minutes. You pay a small fee in exchange for a lot of love. So we can get to the bottom of what's stressing you out right now. I'll listen to your goals, accomplishments, and even your challenges. And I'll tell you more about me and my process too. You'll get to ask me questions and I'll give you a few tips and resources that you can start using immediately to reduce your stress. It'll be worth your time and your money. I promise you that. At the end of our call, if we believe that we can work together successfully, I'll share with you the fastest way to get to where you want to be using my program. At Presidential Lifestyle, we help CEOs all over the world navigate through stress and turn their money into meaning. To see if we can help you do that same thing, head on over to presidentiallifestyle.com or simply click the link in the show notes. All right, go now. I'll see you there. Talk to you sooner. Thanks for listening all the way to the end, my Prosperity Pro. I want to stay connected with you. Here are four ways. Pick the one that works best for you if you want to stay connected with me. One, if you have any questions, I'd love to answer them. Send them to podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. I'd love it if you would make a one or two minute audio message and attach it to an email. That'd be the easiest way for me to get it. Ask me anything about creating a life of meaning over money and I'll get you an answer. Remember the email address is podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. Two, subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends because you guys might want to have a discussion about it, especially if they're a CEO who wants to shift from the old American dream to a life of meaning. 
three, we try not to have any sponsors on this show unless they are truly in line with our values. I mean, really a good fit. So that means we fund this podcast ourselves. I'd like you to take a look at our resource page to see if there's any products or services that we recommend that are right for you. If not, no worries, maybe later. If so, please use our affiliate link to purchase. Thank you in advance for doing that. You are such an amazing person. Okay, four and last. If you want to know what's happening over here at Presidential Lifestyle and you want us to email you the update, then go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now. And you'll see the current updated blog for the week, but you'll also see a link to subscribe to that blog. We can email it to you if you like. That's presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now. Don't worry. You don't have to remember that link or any links. They're all in the show notes. Oh, and I forgot to say, if you're enjoying this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review and tell us how much you're enjoying it. And now for the legalese. This podcast is not to replace professional counsel. The best advice is from a professional who knows you and your specific situation. The topics discussed in this podcast are general in nature and for informational or entertainment purposes only. We encourage you to meet with a professional that you can discuss your specific situation with. Whether you choose us or someone else, one-on-one counsel is important, whether it's a financial, therapeutic, legal, or other decision. So that's all for now. I'll see you next episode. And remember, you can have wealth in all of its forms. Believe it, and you'll soon see it.